So we're going to try and do it as if you, actually if you've got your Bibles you can open up to John 15. That's the passage we're looking at, John chapter 15. But we're going to try and just do it on the run as we go through this morning. But um, anyway, the Apostle Paul didn't have PowerPoint. I don't know if that helps. <laughs> it doesn't help me. Amen. Praise God. Okay. All right. Um, as you know, we're, we're concluding this morning our three-part series in this subject called the authentic Christian life. The authentic Christian life is the life that abides in Christ. Now, in the first week, we looked at the first half of this passage that speaks about abiding in Christ in John chapter 15. And actually, there's only one direct commandment or instruction in that passage, and it's verse 4. If we can bring that up, John chapter 15 and verse 4, where Jesus said, abide in me. It's an instruction. Abide in me and I also in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. Amen? And so Jesus was teaching us the way to be fruitful in our Christian life. And he said, the way to do that is to abide in me. Just as a branch severed from a vine cannot bring forth any fruit, neither can you unless you abide in me. Now, what does it mean to abide in Christ? Well, it means to live in dependence upon him. It means to trust in him, to lean upon him and to have a relationship with him. Now, that's not all it means. Because if that's all it means, and a lot of people have that idea that what it means is to depend on Jesus, then you and I can go out and do anything we want. And as long as we're trusting in Jesus, expect there to be fruitfulness. But when we look in this passage, Jesus says that abiding in him means that we align ourselves with what he is doing. Amen? That we align ourselves with his purposes and that we do his will then we will know his blessing okay so we're going to look at that this morning um, uh, in in chapter uh, 13 and sorry <laughs> i'm not used to this in chapter 15 and verse 10 we'll go there jesus said if you keep my commandments you will abide in my love just as i have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love now, we know that Jesus, though he is God, he did not live on earth as God. He lived as a man that he might teach us how to live by the divine life. Live by God working in him and through, through him. And he described that as abiding in the Father's love. And just as he abided in the Father's love, so we are to abide in his love also. Jesus came, he said, not to do his own will, but to do the will of the one who sent him. And so Jesus did not come having any agenda of his own. Maybe we could look at John chapter 4 and verse 34. John chapter 4 verse 34. Jesus said, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. And so... Jesus did not come with his own agenda. He did not come to do his own thing and ask the Father to bless what he was doing. 
but he came to do what the Father required of him. Amen? Now, you know, if, if we are here not to do our own will, it means also we're, we're here not to do the will of others for our lives. Amen? There's a lot of people that will have expectations of us, think that we are to do what they think we should do. When Jesus came into this world, he did not function on the basis of trying to meet the needs of all the people. I heard somebody once say that doing the will of God, 90% of doing the will of God is seeing the needs and fulfilling those needs. What a beautiful sentiment that is, but it's complete heresy. <laughs> if you try to meet all the needs that are around you, you will have a breakdown. You will have a burnout. Amen? You try to meet the needs just on your own doorstep. You cannot do it. Then you try to meet the needs you know, in, your, in the greater circle in this nation. Then you, you look at the news, you see all the needs in, in the continent of Africa, in, in Syria right now, and in other places of the world where there is so much need. Jesus said, the poor you have with you always. There's always going to be need in the world. We do not function on the basis of need. We function on the basis of the will of God. That's what Jesus did. He functioned on the basis of that which the Father required of him. Let's have a look at John chapter 5 and verse 17. John chapter 5 and verse 17. Jesus answered them, My Father has been working until now, and I have been working. So Jesus was in sync with his Father. He was observing what the Father was doing, and he was coming alongside and working with the Father to do what the Father required of him. He did not come under the pressure of others to fulfill their will and their expectations, but only to do what the Father required of him. Um, in John chapter 17 and verse 4, at the end of his ministry, he could say this, John chapter 17, verse 4, I have glorified you on the earth. I have finished the work that you have given me to do. So religion would come along and create commandments and expectations and impose those upon us. But Jesus said, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. If you try to do what everybody expects you to do, you'll be exhausted. But if you do his will, there is grace and there is ability and there is sufficiency to do those things. And so when you look at the life of Jesus and, and, and you see how fruitful his life was, how much abundant fruit Jesus bore in this world. And he says, you know what, you can know a similar fruitfulness in your life. Because I'm the vine, and you're the branches, and if you do the commandments that I give to you, then you also will know the fruitfulness that I enjoy. And the thing about Jesus is that because he was submitted to the will of the Father, he had this incredible intimacy with God. He had this closeness with the Father, um, that, that they were just um, on the same page, they were in communication and, and they were heading in the same direction. 
And Jesus said, you know, a similar thing is, is not only possible, but it's desirable for you and I. Let's have a look at a couple of verses. First of all, John chapter 14 and verse 21. Look at what Jesus promised in, in this passage. John chapter 14, verse 21. He who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Okay, so he who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Let's look at verse 23 in the same chapter. Jesus answered and said to him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. And my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. Now that's an amazing promise. But we can read that the wrong way. We can read that that it might mean that if we don't obey Jesus, he won't love us anymore. And so his love then is conditional upon our obedience. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? Now that's not what he's saying. You see, the, the, the term love is used in a very broad sense in the Bible. You know, first of all, there's salvation love. That love is unconditional. That love is not based on our obedience. Amen? God, as we heard earlier on, God loved us when we were his enemies. God loved us before we were even saved, while we were in our sins. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. Amen. And, and that love is unconditional. Nothing can separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. Now what Jesus is referring to in these passages that we're looking at is the relational love that we have with him. Because we have a relationship with him. We have a personal relationship with Jesus. And um, just like a parent and a child have a relationship, and that relationship is affected by the way they treat one another in that relationship. Amen? And it's like that with our Father. It's like that with, with the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, you know, our, our obedience to him shows respect to him, and it shows him that we really want to do his will. We're not here to do our will. We, we want to know what he desires of us, what he requires of us. And we line up with that, and that, that's, uh, that, that affects our relationship with him in the sense of our intimacy with him. That's what Jesus is talking about here. If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. He will demonstrate that. He will show that by keeping my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home in him. Now, this subject of obedience, uh, this subject of obedience you know, it can be handled in a wrong way, and many people have handled it in the wrong way. There's two ways you can handle that wrongly. You know, first of all, we can make obedience something which is conditional for salvation. And, and so if we, as I said before, if we do not obey God, then he doesn't accept us and he rejects us. Now, there's a doctrine uh, that, that kind of sums that up, and it's called lordship salvation have you heard of that doctrine lordship salvation some teach that if jesus christ is not your lord 
which you demonstrate by obedience, then you're not saved. You see? But see, there's two things here, lordship and salvation. Two different things. You can't combine them to make them one thing. There is a requirement for salvation. What is that requirement? Faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? If you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, you will be saved. Many, many scriptures say that over and over again. It's, it's, it's abundantly clear in the scripture. The one requisite for salvation is to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. My uh, granddaughter is uh, at a, a Christian school and she had some homework and she always texts me to help her with her homework on religion. And this week the question was, what does it mean to believe in Jesus? What a great question. What does it mean? And I answered it means to put all your weight on him, to trust in him, to like you put your weight in a chair, you believe that that chair is going to support you, it will not let you down. You put all your weight concerning your salvation on Jesus. He will not let you down. Amen? That's salvation. Now if you want Jesus to be your Lord, there's a different requisite and it's called obedience. Jesus said to his disciples, why do you call me Lord if you don't do the things that I ask of you? Amen? And so if we can just look at a verse to clarify that, to clear that up, John chapter 8 and verse 31. John chapter 8 and verse 31. Let's have a look at that together. He said to those Jews who believed him, Amen? If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed see if you believe in jesus for salvation you're a believer you want to be a disciple of jesus then you abide in his words you keep his commandments so one way that we can deal with this whole thing of obedience incorrectly is to make it conditional for salvation justification by works is a heresy amen Let's call it what it is. We're justified by faith in Christ. Not what we do here. What he did there determines our salvation. Amen. But the other way is to then just reject this whole idea of, of obedience as if it has no place in the Christian life. It does have a place. If Jesus is your Lord, then you will obey him. That's what he's saying in this passage. And, and if you obey him, then you grow in intimacy with him and closeness with him, and he will reveal more and more and more to you. Now, over and over again in this passage, and there are many other scriptures which I didn't bring up this morning, at least a dozen, that talk, where Jesus talks about keeping his commandments. Now, have you ever wondered about that? What are those commandments? Now, I want to say this at this point, make a distinction. There's a difference between his will and his commandments. One of the great things about being under the new covenant is that now we become acquainted with him through personal relationship and learn that he has a will for our lives. Under the old covenant, it was just commandments. These apply to everyone. Go and do them. Amen. The law came by Moses. But grace came by Jesus Christ. So when we come into, into the new covenant, we discover, as Paul says in Galatians, if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Amen? 
So we have a personal relationship. The Holy Spirit lives in us. And God's will for each of us is different. God's will for Jesus, his son, is different to you and I. Let's have a look at that. We go to uh, John chapter 10, 17 and 18. John chapter 10, 17 and 18. Jesus is talking about his relationship with the Father. Therefore my Father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it again. That was God's will for his son. Verse 18, no one takes it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down. I have power to take it again. This command I have received from my father. You see that? Does God ask you to become an atonement for sin for the world? No, as we heard this morning around the communion, one sacrifice once for all. God required that of his son. It was a commandment that the Father gave the Son. The Bible says that Jesus was obedient even to the point of the death, of death, even the death of the cross. Amen? So that's what God asked of Jesus. Let me give you an illustration for, from my own personal life. When I first became a pastor, my first church was in Scotland, and I, you know, I was hanging around other pastors that had been in the ministry for a longer time than I had. I'd only just come into the ministry. And a lot of them were saying that the way that they could relax their, their form of recreation was to play golf. I think it's a known thing. Pastors and golf sort of go together. And there was a guy in our church, a very nice man, very kind man, very humble man. He was a good golfer. His name was Norman. And he took me out on the golf course one day. Now, I'm not well physically coordinated. Well, you can't have everything. Yeah. And, and so I probably missed the ball about 10 times more than I hit it. You know? I came home at the end of the day totally exhausted. And, and, and it was, you know, when you, when you know the Lord, you have a relationship with him. You have a conversation with him. And, and I was having this conversation with the Lord. I said, Lord, if I play golf, I'm going to need to put so much time into this game. I don't like losing. I'm going to have to put so much time, spend so much time in this. And I was new in the ministry and I hardly knew anything in the Word of God, to be honest with you. And I knew there was so much to learn from the Word of God. And if I spent all this time playing golf, I could not spend that time in the Word. I'm not being super spiritual. I mean, this is the, my dilemma. This is, I, I had to make a decision. And I decided then and there I would not take up golf because I wanted to give more time to the Word of God because I needed to spend time in the Word because I knew so little about the Word and I had to teach others the Word of God. Amen? Now, that was what the Lord was saying to me. And, and, and yet, if I was to go to other pastors and say, you shouldn't be playing golf, that's wrong. That would be wrong of me to do that. Can you see that? Because that's the Lord. You know, I have a personal relationship with the Lord that's got nothing to do with anyone else, but neither is my relationship with the Lord to be imposed upon other people. God has a relationship with them. What's wrong for me might be right for them. I know some people that have said to me, 
Um, I don't know why you go on Facebook, you know, why, why Christians go on Facebook. Hey, listen, that has actually been a platform for my ministry. I have almost 5,000 friends on Facebook and when I load something up to YouTube, I put it on Facebook and a lot of people get blessed. Now, it might be wrong for you to be on Facebook, but don't put that on me. Amen? In fact, I even know one or two people that it's not right for them to even go on the internet. I mean, personally, I don't know how anyone can survive today without having access to the internet. That's the kind of world we're living. But, but they see dangers there, which, which will be no good for them, and they've just made a decision not to go onto the internet at all. Now, see, that's the great thing about the new covenant. It's not one size fits all. Commandments, everyone go and do those. We have a personal relationship. I know some people, I mean, I've read their biographies, where God told them very clearly to sell everything they have, give away all their possessions to the poor. Now, God blessed them abundantly for doing it. Their lives bore abundant fruit. But I only know one man in the New Testament that Jesus gave that command to. That's not a command for everyone. Amen? How you spend your money has got nothing to do with me. How I spend my money has got nothing to do with you. Amen? Because we have a personal relationship with the Lord. And so what I'm saying here is that, first of all, is there is a difference between the will of God and the commandments of God. And we, we want to look at this thing now of, of commandments. What, what are the commandments that Jesus was talking about? Because as I say, um, he uses that term over and over again. Maybe we can look at John chapter 14, verse 15. And he uses that word there again. And remember that this is in what we call the farewell discourse of Jesus. So it's not something he's giving to the Jews. You know, some people say everything Jesus said was under the law and it doesn't apply to us. That's not true. You've got to be selective and discern what does apply to us. He's giving instructions to the disciples on the last day of the old covenant concerning how to live in the new covenant. Amen. He said, if you love me, here it is again. Keep my commandments. Keep my commandments. Now, what commandments were they? Some people will be quick to say the Ten Commandments. No, he never referred to the Ten Commandments as his commandments, as his father's commandments or as Moses or the law, but he never referred to the Ten Commandments as his commandments. So he's not referring to that. Now, actually, John is the only apostle or disciple or apostle that records this farewell discourse, John chapter 13, 14, 15, 16, and 17, where this special time with his disciples was recorded. And, and it's like John got this, it was, it, was, it was the major thrust of his ministry. You look at Paul, you see that you could say the major thrust of his ministry was the revelation he had about justification by faith, crystal clear. Absolutely, he would stand against anyone that sought to mix grace in with works or law. Amen? But John had this revelation. He was called the apostle of love because he knew that that was the commandment. In fact, Jesus, let's go to um, John chapter 13, verses 34 to 35. Jesus had already explained what his commandments were. John chapter 13, verse 34, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. Let's go to 
verse 35, by this all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. So this is the defining factor that we are his disciples, not that we're saved, but that we are his disciples by the love that we have one for another. And John got a hold of this. Uh, he repeated it often in his epistles. Let's go to 1 John chapter 2 and verse 3. Now by this we know that we know him if we keep his commandments. There it is. If we keep his commandments. Let's go to chapter 3 verse 23 to 24. Same book. And this is his commandment. This is his commandment that we should believe on the name of his son Jesus Christ and love one another as he gave us commandment. See, it's almost like he's given us two commandments there, but he said, uh, sorry, let's go back a minute. Let's go back a minute. Chapter 23, verse 23. Just take it back. This is his commandment, singular, that we should believe on the Lord Jesus, on the name of the, his son, the Lord, uh, Jesus Christ, and love one another. So it's like one commandment, but then it becomes two. But here's the thing. If you receive Jesus Christ as your saviour, he comes to live in you, and it's his love that's manifested through you. Let's go to verse 24. Verse 24. Now he who keeps his commandments abides in him, and he in him. And by this we know that he abides in us, by the spirit whom he has given to us. Amen. Okay, let's go to 1 John chapter 4, verses 12 to 13. 1 John chapter 4, verses 12 to 13. No one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us, and his love has been perfected or completed in us. Amen. Verse um, 13. By this we know that we abide in him. Not that we're saved, but that we are abiding in him, abiding in his love. And he in us because he has given us his spirit. And we're keeping his commandment, which is to love one another. Now, um, I can bring you others from, from uh, John's epistles, but John wasn't the only one that understood that this was Christ's commandment. Let's go to Galatians chapter 6 and verse 2. Galatians chapter 6, verse 2, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill what? The law of Christ, which is to love one another as Christ has loved us. Let's go to James chapter 2. If you really fulfill the royal law, the king's law, according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself, you do well. And so we can see, we can see that Everyone understood this. Everyone, see, we are branches in the vine. Amen. I'm a branch in the vine. Guess what? There are other branches in the vine. So if I'm connected to Jesus, I'm also connected to them. Whether I like it or not, organically, I'm connected. And Jesus said, as I have loved you, now I want you to love one another. This is the only commandment that I leave for you. Now, um, that, dear friends, is why God places us in churches. Amen? So that we can love one another. We can be in relationship with one another. And uh, all those one another's of the scriptures, we can fulfill. 
receive one another, be patient with one another, forgive one another, pray for one another, and so on and so on, all the one another's. Amen? Now, I'm not saying there's not a reason at times to leave a church. There are, there are some good reasons to leave a church. Uh, if they preach nonsense, get out of there. Don't hang around listening to nonsense every week. Amen? If they're preaching Christ, then stay there because that's a church. An authentic church focuses on Jesus and the finished work of the cross. Amen? But if you run into problems with people in church, don't leave the church. That's why God's got you there. Amen? To, love, to learn to love one another as he has loved you. To be patient with those people, to forgive them, to pray for them. Amen? Everybody's looking down at them. Oh, don't like this. me. That's how we grow, friends. That's the one thing he's asked us to do, and he's placed us in, a, in the body of Christ with awkward people just like you, that we might love one another. Amen? I didn't point to anyone in specific when I said that. That was just a general. Okay. Now, let's go to John, go back to John chapter 15 and verses 12 to 13. John chapter 15 and verses 12 to 13. This is my commandment. He says it over and over again that you love one another as I have loved you. Verse 13. Greater love has no one than this than to lay down one's life for his friends. Amen? Praise God. That's why God has placed us in fellowship. Let's go to, let's go to verse 17. These things I command you that you love one another. Says it again. Verse 18. If the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. See, here's something very, very important, friends. Jesus loves us. The world hates us. That's why we need to love one another. Amen. You're not my enemy. Do something I don't like. You're never my enemy. You're my friend. You're my brother and sister in Christ. The enemies, the ones that really hate us are out there. And it's going to become more and more as the world goes on. In fact, this will discover true Christians and those that are not true Christians. Because Jesus said, in the end, when the pressure gets strong and the world becomes more and stronger, the love of many will grow cold. And, and, and even brothers and sisters will betray one another. Amen? You'll discover who your true brothers and sisters are. When, when it comes to crunch. That's why we need one another. We need one another and, and we need to um, be faithful and loyal to one another. Amen. You know, we, we had a beautiful time at our prayer point in the week and um, I think one of the things that Heather said was, um, you know, a lot of people in church are, are go going through stuff at the moment, going through trials and difficult situations and yet it's sort of Stripping away everything that God wants to strip away and, and bringing us closer together where we really support one another and, and, and love one another. And that's, that's how it's meant to be. You know, I've said this before and, and, and it, it occurs quite regularly when we have visitors in the church. 
One of the comments I commonly hear is people commend us for the love that we have for one another. They see it. Somebody said it about two weeks ago, again, visitor to this church. There's a lot of love in this church. They feel it. And that, to me, is, is the highest compliment because it's the one thing that Jesus asks of us is that we will love one another as he has loved us. Amen. Okay, let's look, let's move on quickly. Verse 14. You are my friends if you do whatever I command you. See, this, this is relational love which leads to intimacy. I think it's quite interesting that Ben chose that song, I'm a friend of God. We are. We're, we're his friends. Look at the next verse. No longer do I call you servant. A servant does not know what his master is doing. But I called you friends for all things that I heard from my father I've made known to you. Now, a servant knows what to do, but he doesn't know why he's doing it. A servant is just given commands, do this. He's not told, you know, why, what the big picture is. But a friend, a son if you like, a friend, comes into close contact and, and, and knows why these commands are being given. What the big picture is, what the purpose is, what the goal is, what the aim is. And so we are his friends and just as Jesus knew everything that the Father wanted to do through him on earth, so Jesus takes us into his counsel and begins to reveal, you know, the secret of the Lord is with those who fear him. Amen? And God begins to speak to us not only what to do, but why. What God is accomplishing. You know, there's only two people in the Old Testament called friends of God. Do you know who they were? One, of course, was Abraham. Abraham was called a friend of God. And uh, there was a time when, when, when uh, God was going to come down and judge Sodom and Gomorrah. And he said, shall I hide from Abraham the thing that I'm about to do? No, he's my friend. Interesting, isn't it? Abraham was not living in Sodom and Gomorrah. Lot was living there. But God didn't reveal to Lot what he was going to do. He just took Lot out. Amen? But he revealed to Abraham, and Abraham interceded and so on. It's a different story. But Abraham was a friend of God. And God revealed his plans to his friend. The other one was Moses. Moses was called a friend. The Bible says he made known his ways unto Moses, his acts unto the children of Israel. You know, the children of Israel, carnal. They just saw God as, you know, someone to get them out of their problems, to give them what they needed. He made, God made known his acts unto the children of Israel, but he made known his ways unto Moses. Moses actually said, teach me your way, show me your way. Show me your ways. And he had that wonderful relationship with God. And we, we can have the same relationship. That's what the new covenant makes, um, uh, you know, gives us access to. This wonderful intimacy with the Lord Jesus Christ. So that we are his friends. He reveals his plans and his purposes to us. Because we are doing those things that he's asking of us. Uh, how do you define a, a carnal Christian? In one sentence... A carnal Christian is someone who wants to do his own will, not God's will. Simple as that. Amen. That's where it all started in the Garden of Eden. Amen. 
Redemption is not just about forgiving us our sins, but, but restoring that beautiful relationship where we come into alignment with God, what he's doing in, in this, on this planet, in our lives, and, and in the life of the church. We talk so much more about that, but our, our time is gone. Okay, let's just um, look at verse 16. John chapter 15, verse 16. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you. Appointed you. That means set you in a specific place. Every branch has a specific place in the vine. I've appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain, that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. You see, in the context of what we're saying, of course the Father is going to give us what we ask for because we're asking according to his will. Because we're keeping his commandments, we're living in intimacy with him, and he's revealing his plans and his purposes to us. And our prayers are getting answered in that beautiful way. Hallelujah. You know, obedience is really the only thing that satisfies us as Christians. It crosses our carnal will if you like if i can put it that way but ultimately it's we were created for obedience that's the way that god put us together is that we live in harmony with him in unison with his will and with his plan that he is lord of our lives and that's the way to true happiness and peace jesus said these things i write to you and i say to you that my joy might be in you and that your joy may be complete amen hallelujah let's pray together father we just thank you this morning for your precious word we thank you lord for this beautiful life of abiding in christ we thank you lord that this is the way to true joy to complete joy and father we just pray that each of us will know what you want to do in our lives that we will be led by the Spirit. Lord, not just given to legalism and wanting to follow command after command, but being led by your Spirit, Lord God. Being submiss submissive to your will and to your plan for our lives. Father, we do pray that each of us will be branches abiding in the vine that bear much fruit for your glory. We ask it in Jesus' name. Everybody said? Amen. Amen.